If you would open your Bible up to Exodus chapter 20, that's where we're going to begin tonight. Uh, my wife and I, we've only been married a few years, and this December we will be celebrating eight years of marriage together. And one of the things that my wife uh, doesn't care too much about is me spending money on her. Um, my wife would be what would be called a penny pincher, and she loves to save money, and she really dislikes uh, me spending money on her because she would rather just uh, save it. Uh, but she has learned one thing about me is that I love to give gifts. And uh, if one of the things about my wife is she's learned to get very specific in uh, what uh, she tells me to get for her. Instead of letting me come up with something, she's gotten very good at letting me know something that she may need or something that she may want. Uh, I remember one Valentine's Day when I bought my wife flowers. I thought it would be a nice gesture and maybe she likes flowers. And to my surprise, she came home and with the flowers and she said, just for next year, I would rather have a steak or some chocolate than flowers. Because these are going to be dead in a week. I can't keep them alive. And the other one would be better for me. So uh, she's been very uh, specific on things that she would want me to do. Things that she would not want me to do. Um, we oftentimes don't elaborate. Uh, we don't uh, get very... Uh, we don't do big things for anniversary gifts and things. But I always do something. You know, it would be a, it would be a <clears throat> tragedy to wake up and to uh, look at my wife and go, oh, well, happy anniversary today, and just give her a kiss and go on about my day. And that would be kind of shallow, and you, you wouldn't think that that would be good enough. Because uh, if you know my wife, and if you know me, you know that a guy like me, uh, getting a girl like her, it, it, you would expect much more than that, right? So... Uh, why do I tell you that? Uh, we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, but Exodus chapter 20, we're going to be uh, looking at the fourth commandment, fourth out of ten, and we're going to be trucking right along. So let's get started. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or your sojourner who is with, within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So let's dig into what <clears throat> this command means. First of all, the word Sabbath means to cease means to cease. Keeping the Sabbath may not seem like a very productive idea to our culture today. In fact, uh, many times when uh, Christians in our culture today think about the Sabbath, it keeps them away from God. It keeps them away from Jesus. It, uh, many people would look at it, it as a day off more than uh, a day honored to God and a day that is devoted to God. Bill Gates says it like this. Just in terms of allocation of time resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. 
So what Bill Gates is saying is, you know what? I could be making a whole lot more money on Sunday rather than just going to church and going through the motions of what that would look like. So uh, we're going to talk about that tonight and what that means and what that looks like. So let's look at the three main parts of what this command means. The word remember uh, has multi-meaning here. For the Israelites, it was a reminder that they had heard about the Sabbath before. Uh, Flip over to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Because the Israelites would want to remember the Sabbath from creation. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all of the host with them. And on the seventh day God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So before God ever gives the fourth commandment, Um, He was showing us this idea of ceasing, this idea of resting, even in creation. Uh, But also he would show the people, uh, when we say about this dual meaning of the word remember, he's also showing that when the people of God uh, were in the wilderness and when God provided manna for the people in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 16. Flip over to Exodus 16. Because the people would remember how God on the seventh day would provide for them so that they would not have to work. They would prepare uh, enough on the days before, on the day before, and then they could take the seventh day off. Exodus chapter 16 and verse 23. This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest. A holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake. Boil what you will boil. And all that is left over, lay, <clears throat> left over lay aside to be kept till, till the morning. Again, God's people are wandering in the wilderness. And God is providing. And he tells them that on this day, I want you to prepare double. That way that you don't have to do anything tomorrow. And you can rest. And you can remember me. And you can remember what I've done for you. So remembering, one of the things that we are called to do with the Sabbath is we are to remember. And this is more than just memories, okay? It demands our total engagement, all of who we are. Uh, Like I was talking earlier about my anniversary, it would not be enough to just get up and say happy anniversary to my wife. That wouldn't fly. But so many, today in our culture, so many Christians They think that they can show up to church on Sunday morning and they can tip their hat to God and they think that's good enough. There's no remembering, there's no honoring, there's no glorifying. Uh, And then we go about our day like nothing is different. So he wants his people to remember all that he's done and to worship him fully in spirit and in truth and give him glory for who he is and what he's done in our life. So number one, we have to remember the Sabbath and what it means. Number two, keep the Sabbath. 
in that part in Exodus 20, verse 9 says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. One of the biggest points in the fourth commandment is oftentimes overlooked. We want to focus on the day of rest. We want to focus on the day of worship. But oftentimes we miss the fact that the Sabbath command is a command about working. We are commanded to work. And this doesn't mean we have to work all day every day. But it does mean God is over our rest as well as over our work. We are given six whole days to get done what we need to get done to fulfill our earthly calling. To do what God has put us on this earth to do. And, you know, when we really think about it, people have a very negative outlook towards work. Uh, we think that it's a necessary evil. Uh, a lot of people will look at work and say, because of sin we have to work. And that's just not what God created work for. If we think about uh, in Genesis chapter 2, God took man and he placed him in the garden to work it and to keep it. Work was going on before the fall of man. And because we are created in the image of God, we had that job before the fall. That is our job as we live on this earth, in this fallen uh, world, is to work. Now, I will say this. Our work was affected by sin. It became harder. Uh, it became much more uh, of a burden for us to carry. But nonetheless, we are to work. And the fourth commandment reminds us to honor God by doing an honest uh, day or honest week's worth of work. And in that, we find God's blessing to do exactly what he's called us here to do. So first we remember, second we keep, third we imitate the Father by our work and rest. We imitate the Father. We work and we rest because we serve a working and resting God. Verse 11 in uh, in Exodus, I mean, yes, in Exodus 20. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. God made the world in six days, and then he rested. His activity in creation set a pattern for our daily lives for us to follow, that we are to work to his glory, we are to rest to his glory. He gave us the model uh, and he tells us here in the fourth commandment how to follow that up. Uh, Jesus actually will mention that in Mark chapter 2, 27, that the Son of Man is, uh, that the Sabbath was made for man. Okay, Not man made for the Sabbath. The, the Sabbath was made for the man. So we serve a working God he, he's, who's been with us uh, at work from the beginning of time. We, we are made in the image of God. And likewise, we are to be imitators of God in our work. But we also serve a resting God. Uh, once his creative, uh, once he was through with creation, and on the seventh day he rested. He did not rest because he was tired. He did not rest because he needed to take a break, but to give us an example to follow. Uh, Genesis 2, 3 says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all of his work that he had done in creation. The first time that God blesses anything, he blesses the day for us to share in his rest. Uh, 
Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. So I want us to see one more reason why we should uh, keep this day of rest. Why we should uh, keep this day of ceasing. This Sabbath day. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, you will have the sister verse to uh, Exodus chapter 20. And that it will repeat the Ten Commandments. But I want you to pay close attention to the wording here. Starting in verse 12. It says, Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your sons or your daughters or your male servants or your female servants or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates that that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did you catch it? Did you see the changes there? A lot of people will look at this very um, difference in the Ten Commandments and they will say, well, there's a, there's a picture of why you can't trust the Bible. It changes. Uh, so l- let's read verse 15 one more time. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of, from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Let's look at Exodus 20.11. You don't have to turn there. Let me just read it. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is with them, and rested on the seventh day. So, what are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to remember creation? Or are we supposed to remember that we were a slave in Egypt? What do you think? Yes, Yes, that is the answer. Yes, we're supposed to do both. And there's no contradiction here. There's absolutely no contradiction. It was 40 years later. Uh, It was a different generation of God's people. In Exodus, Moses told the people to keep the Sabbath because God was the creator. We were to remember that. We were to be imitating God. We were supposed to be imitating a God who worked. We were supposed to be imitating a God who rested. And because we were bearing the image of God, we were supposed to imitate him. And here in Deuteronomy, Moses told the people to keep the Sabbath because God was the Savior. Keeping the Sabbath meant remembering the Exodus and celebrating the salvation that they had from slavery. So it was both. The fourth commandment uh, is the longest commandment out of all of them. And it's the only commandment that really involves this idea of remembering, of remembering what God had done. Because one of the issues with remembering is that Israel was very quick to forget. Israel forgot all the time. They forgot who God was. They forgot what God had done. Over and over again, you will see from one generation to the next that they just completely forgot. And they lost their way. So, because... Israel was so prone to forget, and I would just include us in that statement because we are so prone to forget. God continually gives us reminders. So when we think about the covenant with Noah, he made a covenant with Noah and he put his bow in the sky. And we have a rainbow to remind us 
of the covenant with Noah. We have circumcision as a sign of the covenant that he made with Abraham. And that reminds us of the covenant that God made with Abraham so that we can remember. And then he gives us the observation of the Sabbath to help us remember that this covenant that he's making with Moses. And he wants us to remember who he is as God the creator. He wants us to remember who he is as God the our salvation from the slavery that they had in the land of Egypt. God wants the people to remember. So he is calling them to remember. So let's look at the positive and negative. Mark Rooker said this, even though the focus of the fourth commandment is on the uh, cessation of work on one day a week, it also affirms that man's life is to be characterized by work. And he is to be about the labor six days of the week. Uh, We are created to work. And I don't want us to miss that here. Regardless of whether you have a full-time job or if you're a stay-at-home mom or if you homeschool your children or they go to public school, whatever it is that you do, you are supposed to work. We are not called to be lazy. We are called to do something. And we're supposed to do something to the glory of God. But, and we see that perfectly in Genesis chapter 2, where God puts Adam and Eve in the garden, and that involved their head, you know, that involved naming the animals, that involved all of those things, and then it also involved keeping, uh, keeping it. So they worked in the garden. It wasn't something that they were just idle and hanging out and uh, eating fruit all day. They were working, and... But just as created beings as God is, we are also, uh, we were created to rest. Uh, The brother's keeper rule kicks in here as well, where we should not do anything that would cause um, people to violate this commandment as well. When we think about our children, or back then when we think about the slaves, or the animals, or the people traveling through, not only are we to rest, we are... We are to show and be a shining example to the world of how others are to rest. And we are to help others to keep this commandment uh, by giving them a day of rest as as well. We see a shining example of this in uh, Truett, Kathy, and Chick-fil-A. This is from the Chick-fil-A website. It says, every Chick-fil-A restaurant closes on Sundays. You know how many times I've wanted Chick-fil-A on Sunday? Right after church, you're like, oh, it would be so good right now. You're like... Uh, So team members are guaranteed at least one weekend day spent outside of the restaurant. The tradition dates back to Truett Cathy's original restaurant, the Dwarf Grill, which closed on Sundays because the diner was open 24 hours a day and he wanted his team a day off to rest and to worship if they choose. And we'll come back to the whole Chick-fil-A idea, but I think this is a shining example of how one man allows his employees to have a day of rest. Now, if they choose to worship or not is up to them, but he gives them that opportunity. He doesn't schedule anyone to work on those days. So how do we apply this commandment today in our own lives? And there's been great debate on this, back and forth about the fourth commandment. Um, The fourth commandment is not repeated in the New Testament. Um, So there's been some debate on whether it's relevant, 
whether we should keep it, whether we should not keep it. And I thought that Clowney uh, really said it well and that he said that the Sabbath cannot sanction idleness. The Lord's covenant does not call us to spend a day, the first day of the week, only on Sunday afternoon naps, even though, yes, I really do like my naps, and I'm not telling you you can't take a nap because anytime the Cowboys game on, it's perfect napping opportunity, right? We'll just leave that alone. So don't let me take that away from you. But the Lord doesn't just say, go be lazy and do nothing all day. That's not what the Lord is saying here. The Lord's day is a day of activity. And to follow Jesus on the first day of the week is very special to, it should be very special to us to start our week off right. Um, To start our week off focused on God. Um, Turn to Nehemiah chapter 13. Nehemiah chapter 13. Because sadly, when you say that, when you say it does not sanction idleness, many people within the walls of the church um, take the freedom that is offered to them, and we oftentimes use it for our own good pleasure. Okay? And I want to give you an example on how Nehemiah would see this and how he would try to do away with it. So we have God's people getting out of um, captivity in Babylon. And they're returning to Jerusalem. And Nehemiah, on his return to Jerusalem, found that the Israelites were failing to keep God's covenant, especially pertaining to the Sabbath. And they decided to work instead. They even, a few chapters earlier Then Nehemiah 13, we see that the people make this covenant with God. And if you look a whole lot into Scripture, you will see that it's God that makes covenant with men, not men who make a covenant with God. But these guys decided that they were going to make a covenant with God. They were fired up. They wanted to do it the right way. And they made a pact. And they said this, If the people of the land bring goods or grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. So they're trying to do what's right. Yet here is what Nehemiah said was happening. Let's look at verse 15. Chapter 13, verse 15. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath. And bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys and also wine and grapes and figs and all kinds of loads. Which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the way on that day when they sold food. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. In Jerusalem itself. So these businessmen, they were coming in. They were bringing in all of this uh, goods, and the people did not see it as a big deal. And they said, we'll just buy it. It's no big deal. It, this is just another day. That's what, They were going through the motions of, tell, of saying that this is just another day. We're just going to go business as usual. And I think that us as Christians are guilty of this today. It's such a huge temptation for us. We believe in God. We worship the one true God, but we do not treat the Sabbath 
as a Lord's Day or as special. We don't treat it as special. We just treat it like another day. And we come to the pressures of this world, of this culture that we live in. We easily make the Lord's Day just another day of the week. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been guilty of this. I'm sure that you've been guilty of this. But I think it's very important for us to look and consider how we treat the Lord's Day. But Nehemiah took some strong action. Let's look at verse 17. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not the fathers act in the same way? And did not God bring all this disaster on us and on the city? Now, You are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Nehemiah had a good point. Okay, God over and over and over in the Old Testament tells the people, this is why you are going into exile. This is why I am casting you out of the land. And it oftentimes involved not keeping the Sabbath. God took the people breaking the Sabbath very seriously. And Nehemiah here, as a matter of safety for his people, or even a matter of safety for himself, he confronts them on it. And he says, this is not the way God intended for it to be, and I'm not going to have it. But he also did not just confront it with words. He backed it up with action. Look in verse 19. And as soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath... I commanded that the doors be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of the servants at the gates uh, that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. When the merchants and the seller of all the kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From this time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. So I love how Nehemiah takes a stand for the Lord's day. And he says, for the Sabbath day, and he says, I am not going to put up with it. And if you continue to act in this way, I'm going to lay hands on you. Or, in other words, uh, we're going to deal with it, right? So he backed his words up with action. Now, as I say that, I do not think in any way, shape, or form God wants me to wake up early on Sunday morning and for me to come knock on your door and to make sure that you're up in time to get to, to church, to, to worship the Lord for who he is. I don't think that he wants me to do that. But I do think it's a very important thing for us to all individually or as families to look at our own lives and say, how am I treating this day? Am I protecting our time with the Lord? Am I protecting my own individual time with the Lord? Am I making the Sabbath day important by my actions on what I do, on how I worship? As Christians, this looks a bit different than it does for the Old Testament people. Okay, Yes, we are still made in the image of God. We see that in Genesis. Yes, we still work and rest just the way God gave us an example and do it. But the main thing that has changed is that we have received a new and greater deliverance. And the same way that God's people were delivered out of Egypt, we also are delivered uh, in a different way. We no longer look back to Exodus and the slavery from the Egyptians. Uh, We look to Jesus Christ, who accomplished the greater Exodus by dying for our sins and rising from the dead. 
Jesus is the fulfillment of the fourth commandment. And we need to remember that. He is the fulfillment of the fourth commandment. Israel was obeyed to call the fourth commandment and observe the Sabbath. And we cannot, and this is in your notes, I think, we cannot obey the fourth commandment if we do not understand the transformation of the Sabbath as it is fulfilled in Jesus Christ himself. B.B. Warfield said it like this. Christ took the Sabbath into the grave with him, and he brought out the Lord's day out of the grave with him on that resurrection morn. He's saying the Sabbath Jesus took with him. All of the things that uh, were wrapped up in the Sabbath, and Jesus says that was buried with him, and when he rose from the dead, it became the Lord's day. All throughout the New Testament, you will see over and over again how they call it the Lord's day. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And that's what they were celebrating. Before they were celebrating who God was and what God had done in their life. Now they were celebrating what Jesus had done for them. Deliverance from their sin. So, how do you avoid all the legalism? Uh, One of the ways is that we remember the Lord's Day for celebrating the freedom that we have in Jesus. Okay, a few ideas on how to do that. First, the Lord's Day is for working hard the rest of the week. In America, we have it backwards. We work really hard at playing and we play really hard at work. Would y'all agree? Okay, some of you are like, nope, I work really hard at work. But I would say as a nation, uh, collectively as a nation, we work really hard at playing and we play really hard at work. And that's sad because God has given us six whole days uh, of ordinary business days of life to do what we need to do. uh, And he's called us to do those for his glory. Christians, let me just say this. okay? Christians should be the most faithful, hardworking people that anyone employs. I want you to just let that sink in for a second. Christians should be the most faithful, hardworking employees that anyone ever hires. We should be, because in the same way that we are honoring that business that we're working for, by working hard for them, for that paycheck, we are supposed to be working hard to the Lord. We're supposed to be bringing God honor and glory by how we work. So we need to be glorifying God in whatever it is that we do. And like I said, it doesn't matter if you have a full-time job, if you're a stay-at-home mom. You work to the glory of God in whatever that you do. Secondly, the Lord's Day is a day for worship. The Lord's Day is for worship. It's a day for attending corporate worship. It's for enjoying fellowship with God's people. It's for, it's for catching up on spiritual reading. It's for, uh, but in order for us to worship well, it's important for us to prepare. Getting ready the night before. Um, I know so many times we rush home on Saturday night and we're like, oh, we got to hurry up and get baths and get in bed. We have to get up early for church tomorrow. That is not a huge priority for a lot of people. And if you're too tired on Sunday, it's amazing how many people are too tired to get up for church on Sunday. But there's no problem to get up for school or work at 7 a.m. the next day. Because it's not a priority. Tom Watson said it like this. When Saturday evening approaches, sound a retreat. Call your minds off from the world and summon your thoughts together to think of the great work of the approaching day. Evening preparation will be like the tuning of an instrument. It will uh, 
fit the heart of the duties of the ensuing Sabbath. Meaning, prepare yourself for the day of worship that you're going to have with God. Prepare yourself for the day that you're going to enjoy getting to spend with him and not working. Taking a day off. It's a day for worship. The Lord's day is also a day for mercy. This is one of the things that the Pharisees missed. Okay, uh, There were some rabbis that would say, this is, uh, if you read and all that stuff, it's crazy that if some, a wall, okay, let's say a wall fell on some, someone on the Sabbath. Only enough rubble could be removed to find out how badly that person was injured. And if he was not injured too badly, then he must be left until the Sabbath ended. Then he could be rescued completely the next day. That was actually in their rules. I want you to just wrap your brain around that for a second. And that's the kind of foolishness that the, the Pharisees would do. They say, we can't work. There was many times when um, there would be an army attacking the Jewish people on the Sabbath. And some of them would rather die than to take up a sword to defend themselves. Because they can't work. This is the Lord's day. Are you kidding me? So that's the kind of foolishness that we see there. But the Lord's day was a day for mercy. And Jesus said it was a day for mercy. And this is what, why we see Jesus perform so many miracles on the Sabbath. Uh, sometimes when I'm reading through the Gospels, I, I'm, I'm amazed at how many times it seemed like Jesus was just storing up. I'm going to wait till the Sabbath day and then I'm going to, I'm going to show them, right? It's like, I'm going to wait till the Sabbath and I'm going to heal this person. He knew exactly what he was doing. And this is why Jesus was following this example. Whenever we use the Lord's Day uh, to welcome a stranger. Whenever we um, decide to feed the poor, visit the sick. If you do those types of things, you're not guilty of breaking the Lord's Day. And you're not guilty of breaking the Sabbath. You are Indeed, doing exactly what God had called us to do, what Jesus displayed for us to do. The Lord's day was a day for mercy. Lastly, the Lord's day was a day for rest, ceasing our labor. Uh, you know, there's arguments out there of what if a fireman is on duty? What if a doctor gets called in to perform a surgery? Is he working on the Lord's day? Is that a sin? You know, it's supposed to be his day off, but he got called in. Etc., etc. When we think about us pastors, I mean, we work on Sunday. So, how does that work? You know, we're working on the Lord's Day. Um, you know, I know my wife is an accountant, and uh, from February to April, it's like she just kind of disappears. I don't see her a whole lot. She works long hours, she goes in early, she stays late, <clears throat> she like, works t- terrible hours. And it's amazing how differently I feel her mood getting. Towards April, right? She's tired. She's worn out. She's physically drained. And that's exactly what God is trying to keep us from. Okay, I'm not telling you in any way, shape, or form that my wife is some sinful person because she works long hours while she's an accountant. But um, God calls us to rest. And I see the importance of that rest. And she sees the importance of that rest to turn your mind off and to focus all of our attention on God. And it's important for us to stop and ask ourselves three questions. First of all, do I work? We need to ask ourselves that question. Do I work? Second of all, you need to ask yourself, do I worship? 
If we're missing that part of it, we're missing a part of what the Lord's day is all about. We are to worship, <clears throat> we are to work, and lastly, we are to rest. And uh, I love taking my Sunday afternoon naps. I really do. And that's a part of my rest on Sunday, and I love it. It's almost like uh, it charges my batteries. Uh, and it's amazing how much it changes the outlook of my, of my week. Because I'm resting in the Lord, and I spend time with Him and with my family. And I'm leading them to do that as well. So let's look at Jesus' act of obedience. <clears throat> because the Sabbath command uh, was ignored for centuries. Um, and as the people in the Old Testament ignored the Sabbath, it led eventually to God's patience wearing thin. And as God's patience wore thin, it led them into exile and after that exile, after that time in exile, it caused many of the Jews to become very much fanatics. Even so far, like I said earlier, of some of the foolish things that they would come up with, the laws that they would set for the Sabbath. and Their thinking was messed up. It was corrupted. Um, Jesus on the Sermon of the Mount uh, took some of the most basic commands, some of the commands that we're going to talk about for the next several weeks, and he would flip them over on their head. You know, and I know we're going to talk about this when we get to murder. But, you know, Jesus said things like, I know that the law says not to murder someone. But I'm telling you that if you have hatred in your heart towards someone, that you've murdered them in your heart. And you're like, wait a minute. They're not the same thing. And Jesus is saying, yes, they are. Because the root of it all has to do with the heart. So their thinking was corrupted. And... Jesus has given them these hard things to hear. And uh, Jesus obeyed the fourth commandment fully in that, first of all, Jesus did not keep man-made Sabbath laws. Jesus did not take all of these man-made Sabbath things that the Pharisees had come up with, and he did not follow them. And he did not follow them, and this was definitely an obedience to the Lord, right? Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 12. Matthew 12. There's some really good stories in Matthew chapter 12. We see the, the disciples and Jesus walking along and they're uh, pulling out grain and they're uh, taking out the seeds in their hands and the Pharisees get all bent out of shape. And you can go and read about that. But we're going to read the next story, uh, starting in verse 9. He says, He went on from there and entered the synagogue. And a man was there with a withered hand. And they, the Pharisees, asked him, Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? So that they might accuse him. They're trying to get Jesus to do something on the Sabbath that would break the Sabbath so that they can put him to death. He said to them, which one of you who has a sheep, if he falls into a pit, if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, would not take hold of it and lift it out? Oh, how much more value is a man than a sheep? So it is, it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched it out and it was restored. Healthy like the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. Matthew 12 verse 8 says, the son of man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And when you look at that statement and you say that God, that Jesus is saying, I have the authority over the Sabbath. It all belongs to me. 
You don't get to make up all these sets of rules and however you think it should go. I am the Lord of the Sabbath. And if something, uh, if I can show mercy to people on the Sabbath, then that's what God has called me to do. That's what I'm here for. And that's exactly what we're here for. Well, you can see in Luke 13 and John chapter 5, God continually, I mean, Jesus continually healing people and uh, over and over, and it made the Pharisees so upset with him. So he did not keep man made Sabbath laws. Um, oh, wait a minute. Uh, let me not skip this part. I told you I would come back to Chick fil A. Uh, just last month, um, because I'm already hungry for Chick fil A again, right? So. Uh, just last month, it was published in Thrillist.com that Chick-fil-A, the chicken chain, broke the Sabbath to aid Hurricane Florence relief efforts. That is exactly how they, that was the title of the, ar- the article. They broke the Sabbath to help with the relief effort. It's kind of funny that uh, Donovan and Nikki uh, Carlos they were watching the footage of the hurricane and they saw the people in need and they saw that people were hungry and they thought, what can we do? So they opened their doors. They opened the doors of their restaurant. They prepared meals and they gave out free food. And they did it on a Sunday, right? That's a great day, right? Yeah, too bad about your house, but you get free filet on Sunday. It's a good day. So, but it's amazing how the media twisted it. They're breaking the Sabbath. So that they can help with relief efforts. And that's exactly what the, the, the Pharisees continually tried to do with Jesus. He's breaking the Sabbath by healing this man. He's breaking the Sabbath by doing something good. And Jesus is sitting there telling them the whole time, what's worse? And, and there's even one time where he says, is it worse for a man to die? Is it worse to heal him? Which one's worse? And the Pharisees had this set of laws that just wasn't... Uh, wasn't right. So secondly, Jesus always kept the heart of the fourth commandment. He always kept the heart of the fourth commandment. Uh, we can see this over and over. And I listed some verses there. You can look those up. And uh, you can see how God uh, did not keep the man-made laws, uh, the Sabbath laws. But he always kept the heart of the fourth commandment. Because he wanted to obey the Father fully. And now, let me end like this. There was a story once told of a man who was approached by a beggar on the street. And the man reached into his pocket to see what he had. And finding seven dollars and feeling somewhat sorry for the beggar, he held out six bills and said, here you go. Not only did the beggar take the six dollars, but with his other hand, he struck the benefactor across the face and grabbed the seventh dollar too. Okay, so what do you think about the beggar in that moment? Not very grateful. He's a pretty rotten dude. How could you slap a guy that just gave you six bucks? But I want us to think about this story and think about us as sinners. Here we are, sinners, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ. And we insist on taking seven days a week or even six and a half for ourselves. God has given us six days to do the work that uh, we really get to, in some ways, we get to choose what we want to do for those six days. And the Lord is calling us to, I want you to spend one day focused on me. And so many times in our lives, um, we are just like this beggar, where we look at God, 
or you know, with our heart, we say, it just doesn't matter. And we slap him in the face and we say, I'm going to take this dollar too. I'm going to take this day too. And it's going to be mine. And I hope and pray that that is not where we are. And to avoid being that guy, I hope we remember uh, the Lord's day and we remember to keep it holy. Uh, So that's a little bit about the fourth commandment. So let's pray and we'll move on.